love a challenge. In fact, when I'm biking, I rarely like to use the gears. When I'm running uphill, I have a tendency to go faster. When I'm bringing in the groceries, I have five bags in one hand and two gallons of milk in the other. I work really hard at keeping my floors clean, the clutter decluttered, and trying to discipline my children. What about you? What kind of challenges do you face with a smile? Maybe you've decided to go back to school, even though you have a job and or kids. Or maybe you've been scrimping and saving your pennies for years for that purchase that you're planning to make in the coming months. Or maybe there's a promotion at work. Or maybe there's that house project you started because of COVID and you are going to get it done by the end of summer. Well, as we've been reading Romans, there are a lot of things that are challenging. Some that are on that list are things like loving your enemy, loving those in government, being hospitable to strangers, blessing those who persecute you. Did those things make your list? They probably wouldn't have made mine unless I've been studying Romans for months like we have. Romans 12 has been about loving one another with authenticity. Taking our lead the last few months, we've been taking our lead from this letter written to a church in Rome. Those who were likely on the margins, many of them, they had no status, they had no money. They were unknown really to the common person in Rome. There were Jewish Christians who had been away for years actually because the Roman government had, ex had exiled them. And then there were Gentile Christians, Roman Christians, who had no spiritual background with the Lord and yet now had come to know Jesus. And Paul, in this letter to their book, talking to them about how Jesus is calling them to become a sibling, a society of siblings, that they were to live together with love as Jesus was leading them. Now, as we've been living life in Minnesota the last few months, man, there is a great opportunity for a roller coaster of emotions. I want to acknowledge today that as we have been studying these really hard texts, and as my small group reminded me last night, many of the texts we've been studying, we haven't come to clear conclusions all of the time. You have maybe been feeling grief over various things that have been happening lately. I just want to say to you, please don't give up. Continue to press in with Jesus. Be open to what maybe isn't easy to hear, but is good for us. And for those of you who are enjoying it, uh, buckle up, because we're going to be in all of Romans 14 today. Before we get to the passage, let's pray. Jesus, uh, Lord, as we are here uh, in front of your word, God, would you open us up? Holy Spirit, would you work? We're going to read today that the kingdom is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about working for peace and mutual edification. Jesus, we need your help for as we read the news, as we talk with our neighbors, as we maybe even in our own families are experiencing the lack of authentic love or the lack of peace, Jesus, we need your help. If we're experiencing a time of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, Lord, I rejoice with my brothers and sisters today. And regardless of where we are in the journey with you, God, I pray that you would speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Romans 14, starting at verse 1. Accept those whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat everything, but another person whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted that person. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master they stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. 
So just jumping right in, point number one, God tells us not to judge one another, not to have contempt for one another. The word judge can actually mean to separate, to separate from ourselves, to separate from society. It means to deem right or wrong, to subject something to censure, to approve or disapprove. Contempt, to despise or esteem someone as less or even as worthless. Doesn't this sound like the complete opposite of what we've been in in Romans? If you take a minute to look at Romans, Romans 12.10 says, honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12.16 says, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lower positions. Do not think you're superior. Or at the end of 13, let no debt remain outstanding between you except the continuing debt of love to one another. Now, the situation in Rome, when you're talking about eating and vegetables, there were some had chosen to just eat vegetables so they could avoid eating meat that possibly had been offered to idols in worship. Others thought, eh, it's no big deal what I eat. You have the Jewish Christians who for years have been eating a very strict diet. They were eating kosher. And then you have Gentile Christians who had no history like that, no habits, no traditions. And they're trying to come together at potlucks. And I imagine there were some, some conflicts. And Paul says, apparently, the people who eat everything were treating the veggie eaters with contempt. Let's keep reading. Some consider one day more sacred than another. Other considers every day alike. Everyone should be fully convinced in their own mind. Those who regard one day as special do so to the Lord. Those who eat meat do so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And those who abstain do so to the Lord. They give thanks to, the, to God. For we do not live to ourselves alone, and we do not die to ourselves alone. If we live, we, leave to, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. This might come to a shock for some of you, but we might disagree about some things. And if you don't disagree with me, you're going to disagree with someone else in church. I'm talking about the issues that are not clear in the Bible. Paul talks about disputable matters. We are going to come to different interpretations with some things. For instance, think about the Sabbath. It's pretty clear in scripture. It's part of the commandments, but how we take Sabbath might look different. It's pretty clear in the scriptures that we're supposed to be generous and give, but how we do that, how much we give and to whom we give it, those come, we come to different conclusions. Now, for some of us, what we eat actually really is a matter of contention and we choose to eat organic or we choose to buy fair trade. It can, it can lead to conversation, the, the difficult conversations. Some of us listen to certain radio stations because of our own convictions. Now, as we disagree and have different patterns of, le- of living, it seems the text says that we should really be convicted about it. Not just do it because that's what we've always done or this is what we've been taught or it's our family traditions, but actually that we've done our homework, that we've thought about it, that the Lord has had his voice help us make our decisions. Verse 10, verse 10, we continue. You then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? Why do you treat your brother or sister with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So then, we will all give an account to God. Do you hear the warning here? In this letter that Paul writes to this early church, let's remember again, different cultures, different habits, different calendars, different ways that they ate. 
Think about the Jewish culture. If you've ever read anything in the Old Testament or the New, they had many days, many festivals, many opportunities to have special days. And again, the Gentiles came from tradition that did not honor those same things. As we read this 2,000 years later, after it had been written, it can still speak to us. Don't judge one another. There are many opportunities to do that, but don't do it. And God says, hey, can you remember to think of yourself with sober judgment, like I said earlier in this letter? One day you're going to stand before me, God says, and give an account. God says, do not judge one another. We will, before God, give an account to how we've made our decisions on disputable matters and how we've treated one another. Verse 13 says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, this is what we can do instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Paul says, I am convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. It, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat or what you're doing, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother or sister for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of, a, of evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to judge one another. I think you've heard me say that today. Paul also says not to put a stumbling block or, or an obstacle in front of someone. When we know what people think, the conclusions that they've come to, the convictions that they've come to, we are not to do those things in order to agitate or cause temptation for them. Considering how you live right now, if you know that you politically are on opposing ends of the spectrum, perhaps your mom's 75th birthday is not the time to bring it up with your brother. Or if you know someone is struggling with a certain temptation, when you come to their home, when you're having conversations with them, perhaps don't mention it if that's not an area of temptation for you. Just don't bring it up. They don't need that temptation from us. Paul goes really far here to say, think of that person. Jesus died for that person. When you act in a certain way, it is destructive to that sibling. As we judge, as we treat one another with contempt, as we, as we put obstacles in front of others, Jesus says, we are not honoring that person as Christ has honored that person. Verse 17 reminds us that the kingdom of God is about bigger issues than eating and drinking and special days. Or we could add in how you take your Sabbath, how you give, what you eat, how you're responding to COVID, what kind of radio stations you're listening to, different uh, disputable matters. We have so many to pick from in these days. And Jesus is saying, let's come up a level and talk about what the kingdom is about, things that are worth having conversation and yes, sometimes arguments about. There are some things that are evil and it is okay to call them out. Paul's been doing it for chapters here. Romans 12, 9 also says to us, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Somehow authentic love and discernment about what is good and evil, those things are related. We are to be discerning. This isn't a call to universalism or just saying whatever everybody's doing is fine, that's between them and the Lord. That's not what Paul is saying. There are matters that are worth calling out. Righteous matters. If you see a character flaw in me that is unbiblical, I hope you would call it out in me. In fact, that is what Paul calls us to, to 
to be true siblings, to love sincerely is to hate what is evil and to cling what is good. As I clothe myself with Jesus, as I offer myself as a living sacrifice to him, as a woman who's formed by God for his good purposes, that I want to please the Lord, there is no place then for me in my heart, in my mind, out of my mouth, to have contempt for others or to judge them, especially with my siblings in the church. So what do we do? There's so many opportunities to be critical right now and judgmental. And I have to say, pastorally, oftentimes I'm hearing people saying, I don't know what to say or conversations. And sometimes I think we're just talking about Facebook. And I urge you to have conversations with people on the phone or in person. We are being divisive or we are being divided on some level through social media and the news. I urge you to have real conversations in these days. And verse 19, let us make every effort as we have those conversations, as we live in a community, would we make every effort to do what leads to peace, to mutual edification, that we would not destroy the work of God for the sake of food or whatever else the disputable matters are that come to mind. For all food is clean, but it's wrong for the person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything that will cause your brother or sister to fall. This is hard work. (laughs) Make every effort. This is a running uphill. This is a biking uphill without using the gears sometimes. Sometimes to work hard for peace, for me means keeping my mouth shut. Sometimes the best thing for me to do is just to listen. However, sometimes it does mean that we speak out, that you call out your brother or sister on matters of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The way to peace sometimes means I have to point out to you something that is wrong that you might not agree with or see. You might not feel peaceful. You may not feel like we're mutually edifying one another, but my brother or sister, if I keep my mouth shut, I am not truly your sibling. Peace is not existing for others around us. And one of the things that I believe that you are hearing from me and Crossview other staff, our denomination, is that peace does not exist without justice. No justice, no peace. No peace, no justice. Now I can pray, I can offer books to you, I can preach this message today. But sometimes working for the way of peace is going to mean more than that. It's going to mean action. It's going to mean writing letters. It's going to mean listening to sides that I don't fully understand. It means going to law enforcement and learning. It means going to the Black Lives Matter movement and asking questions and listening. It means going to my brothers and sisters and asking questions and listening. Mutual edification means all those involved are going to be built up. All those involved are going to be encouraged towards faith in Christ. All those involved are going to be more wise and more holy. We will grow in it. We cannot just turn a blind eye to what's happening in our world. The call of people who are saying, there is no peace for me. And in fact, when I think about the stumbling block, as I literally just read that, and I thought, do you know what a stumbling block might be? If I don't speak up about the racism that's happening, if I don't speak up about the things that I've learned about American history, if I don't speak up about the ways that I feel like law enforcement is being mistreated, or when I feel like, as a woman, there are ways that I have experienced injustice, It is a stumbling block if we don't call each other out on matters of righteousness and justice. About three years ago, I went back to the dentist. 
I hadn't been for a while, and I was shocked. The dentist groaned and grunted. He made a lot of unpleasant noises as he was looking in my mouth. And after the, uh, the exam was over, he told me that my gums were in a hot mess of trouble. If I had waited just a few months more to go to the dentist, I would have needed some major surgery. My teeth and my gums were, you know, millimeters away from complete destruction. He told me I needed to floss every day. I needed to brush more carefully. I needed to watch what I ate. He instilled such fear in me that my life changed that day. I had no idea that my gums were in trouble. I had no idea until I sat down and I sat before someone who knew more about what was happening than I did. And I submitted myself to what he told me I needed to do. As we think about all of these opportunities to judge and criticize one another, I would encourage you to do two things today in response. Number one, could we stop judging one another? And in doing so, would we first confess to God how we have been judgmental of certain people, of groups, of individuals, of family members, maybe our own spouses and family? Would we get right with the Lord and confess that and repent? As I'm in conversation, I am more aware because of this passage, this whole week as I've been in conversation, oh, I'm doing it again, and I'm asking the Lord to forgive me. Secondly, would you be willing to listen to someone over a disputable matter, over good and evil? Would you be willing to listen? Would you be willing to learn? Would you be willing to listen and learn from the Black Lives Matter movement? Would you be willing to listen and learn to our civil, civil leaders, our civic leaders, who are working for law enforcement, who are working to try to bring change? Would you be willing to listen to someone, an immigrant that lives around you, listen to what their life is like? This is gonna take hard work. This isn't gonna be easy. This is an uphill climb. And yet, I believe this is what Jesus calls us to. He is going to lead the way. He, as, as a Trinitarian God, lives in community, in unity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he desires us to live in unity, in a community, because we're creating in his image. And sometimes that means for us to do the hard work of what does it look like to live in community with those who are different than I am. Would you join me in doing the hard work of making every effort for peace and mutually building one another up? Amen.